guys, welcome to the show. Today, I'm your host, Amal Evanobi, and today we're gonna talk about a subject matter that we don't normally get into on this channel, and that is pornography. You all know the porn industry is super huge in the United States and just worldwide, essentially. And we're gonna have a discussion about how that affects the brain, how it affects relationships, uh, the current influence that porn has on the world right now and on our lives. And through the lens of a video created by a YouTube channel that I really like called After School, this video is titled How Pornography Distorts Intimate Relationships and it's featuring Brett Weinstein. Before we get into that though, we got Taylor in Nashville. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, we've done some after school videos in the past, and I'm a big fan of Brett Weinstein. So I'm glad we're getting back into it. And this should be an interesting one to get into. So let's go for it. Yeah, to say the least. So let's go ahead and watch. Uh, it's going to seem like a strange analogy, but I think we've already seen a near apocalyptic catastrophe that has unfolded as a result of the much more mundane process of people being sold porn by an industry that doesn't care about them. That fact has messed up all of the incentives around partnering romantically. And people, if you're young enough not to remember how the world was, you may think that that sounds preposterous, that somebody is defending the idea that romance as it was in movies was ever real. And, and that's not it. There was just simply a system in which people were compelled by something internal to themselves to partner, whether they rationally thought that was a good idea or not. And it resulted in a very important, powerful human process functioning correctly. That is so interesting to actually think about because obviously I'm 23 years of age. I was born in 2000. And by the time you're in your teens, when I feel like people are exposed to pornography and things of that nature, things that are sexual in nature, we're already in a technological era at that point. So I'm of the age where um, all of our peers and stuff, if you are introduced to pornography, it's in just about the same form as what we're getting it as today, obviously it's gotten crazier and crazier in today's time. And we have things like OnlyFans and everything is just at your, your fingertips. But we very much grew up in, a, in an age where uh, pornography was just right there on the internet for everyone to see. I remember being in middle school, I wanna say, when Kim K had her whole controversy of that videotape uh, with her and Ray J and kids were watching that stuff at school on phones or wow. at sleepovers and it was circulating and people were just talking about it quite normally as, as if this was just something that people did. And I have no frame of reference from personal experience of growing up in an era where you did have a bit of separation from the pornography that you saw, where you had to go find your dad's Playboy or, you know, crank up the computer to actually work. And now pornography is everywhere. Somebody's trying to sell you a perfume bottle on a billboard and they're naked and it's just a whole different world. And to have not seen something different from what we're experiencing right now uh, definitely changes your, your perspective a lot on it. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like culture in and of itself has gotten a lot more sexualized in general, even since I was younger. But I think that the advent of the smartphone and of just the accessibility now with high-speed internet on a phone that's on your person 24-7 uh, is something that is a whole new challenge. And I, I like when I was coming of age, uh, I we had like a family computer in the house and mm -hmm. it was on dial-up internet. And so your opportunity was much more narrowly limited to something like that. Uh, and whereas now uh, you got little boys in their bedrooms that can are often given smartphones and lord knows how how easy it is for uh, kids to start sending each other things or just to stumble across something and next thing you know you're you're introduced to this whole new world and hooked on something that you fell right into and it's crazy yeah it used to be like who downloaded something on the on our computer and now there's viruses everywhere and like all right. this stuff there's none of that anymore and then there's people even older than that era which would have had like you know the playboy mags and like having to go like to an adult video store to get videos of this there's a, a separation that 
uh, almost creates a taboo around the media itself. Like the fact that you did have to go to uh, an adult video store to to get something or you had to sort of be in a public setting showing that you were going to purchase something like this. And now there's an anonymity to it where you can cross crazy lines and be able to watch some pretty foul stuff. Uh, but it's been very much normalized. I think about like stuff that's featured in HBO shows now is pornography. It is straight up pornography, but it's so normalized for uh, the the public that it doesn't even register like that anymore. And I'm saying that as a, a member of the general public, I'll watch shows like, you know, Euphoria, Game of Thrones. We've been talking about Saltburn on this channel a lot, and it doesn't even phase me anymore that this sort of stuff is happening right before your eyes on the, the, the TV screen, because you're just like, oh yeah, that's just human nature these days. But there was a time where people would have been protesting outside of whatever media organization decided to put that on film and to put it out to the general public. And now it's just like, it's nothing. It doesn't mean anything anymore. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. I was watching uh, the West wing uh, the other night and uh -huh. my wife and I were trying to look at for a new nineties drama to get into. And on one of the first episodes, uh, there's a conservative group that is knocking down the, the the door of the Oval Office to meet with the president because they're outraged about the streets being filled with pornography and how it only costs like five dollars for a magazine and a kid will be able to buy it. And this is like in the you know mid 90s. And just to think about how far we've come since then in, in terms of the ease of access, um, you don't even have to go like you were saying, there's not there's not that separation uh, w where you actually have to go to a physical store if you're an adult who could buy one or find your 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 dad's stash there though as the old stereotype goes mm -hmm. it's uh literally everywhere now and uh it's it's we're also desensitized to it i feel like it's it's less of a big deal in media uh for as you're saying for uh, nudity for sex to be portrayed in uh shows and film i guess hbo has been around for a long time and there has yep. been you know nudity in in that but it just sure. feels like less of a a, a thing um, than than it was. Yeah, it's far more expected. And just to give you like some some reference, I always use the example of I Love Lucy. I Love Lucy in, in 1952, I believe, had a super controversial episode. And the, the reason the episode was controversial is because Lucy was pregnant. Lucille Ball was pregnant. And they thought there's no way we can show this on television. You cannot show a woman pregnant. That is such a taboo. People are going to ask how she got there. It's going to lead to questions within families. And all American families were tuning in to watch I Love Lucy. It was one of the most popular shows of its time. And think about that conversation being had in 1952 to what's happening right now in 2024. That is insane. Uh, they wouldn't even show uh, uh, Lucille and her husband sleeping in the same bed on that show because of what it insinuated. And now here we are where like nudity's just like, oh yeah, whatever. Uh, full frontal's like, oh yeah, whatever. Who cares? I mean, I'm curious how about you think about this question where like where do we draw the line between like you know we had the the sexual revolution in the 1960s and that was like okay let's not be prudish let's be a little bit more open and obviously like portraying someone as pregnant or whatever is right. not something that i feel like should be uh offensive or you know it's still very much in bounds in most people's view and maybe we were too restrictive and too hush hush about some things in the past but where we are now seems to be way far past that mm -hmm. and to where nothing is off limits and there is no line and to think of one is uh evocative of this patriarchal you know terrible uh prudish way of thinking that comes from this this past and so i'm just curious like where I don't know how do where should that line be because it certainly feels like we're past it, but that is not necessarily to say that we should go back to either Lucy standards. Yeah, I think it's just about like explaining to people what's healthy and what's not healthy. Like we're we're in the current state that we're in. I don't know that it's, we're ever going to like roll back on what we see right now in media. Although it's interestingly enough, uh, Gen Z is saying by and large they're over the amount of explicit sex scenes that they're mm -hmm. watching in media and they're being vocal about like this is unnecessary. It's going too far. It's unhealthy. So I think you can show like tasteful 
romance uh, and even like intimate scenes that don't have to show you everything that's going on. Right. I feel like you let the imagination work a little bit. Leave trust the audience. Leave some just insinuation in the scenes unless it's somehow pivotal to the storyline to to depict what's going on. Now, will that ever happen? I don't I don't know. I, I'm not optimistic that it will. Um, but for the most part, I'm fine with it so long as it's not uh, being sold as, as healthy. And I don't think we're yet having the conversation about just how unhealthy these dynamics are. And it's being normalized because I don't know that we're fully seeing the outcomes and how they're affecting our minds and our relationships, which we're going to talk about here in this video. And the combination of technological birth control and pornography has now wrecked all of the incentive structures in that system and replaced it with nothing meaningful. And it is resulting in people paradoxically not being sexually satisfied as a result of their liberation, not seeing the wisdom in having a family, not understanding the nature of the creature that they have become through a three and a half billion year process of evolution. Yeah, it seems like in our modern world, there are two archetypes that are emerging, that of the incel, the involuntary celibate who just stays online all day, and the OnlyFans model who is kind of willfully objectifying themselves and selling their bodies. It seems like these two archetypes have emerged simultaneously. And I'd love to get your take from like an evolutionary point of view, like what is happening here? Why have these two things emerged simultaneously and... Is there a way to get the traditional form of romance back? What's funny, funny enough that uh, that that uh, animation showed is that these two individuals are technically in a relationship with one another, but we've yeah. we've blurred the lines uh, so much of what relationships mean, what sex means, uh, how important it actually is that you would never think that they are actually in a relationship, but their lives just circle around one another constantly and you know cyclically. Whew. If there is to be hope for Gen Z, it is going to have to figure out how to step off this stupid treadmill and do something different. And I really, I'm stunned by the fact that there doesn't appear to be a movement of Gen Z folks opting out of the sophistications or pseudo sophistications of their era. I'm hoping it will merge. I'm expecting it any day, but I have yet to see it. It's so funny because I do think that does exist. I think there are Gen Z people who abstain from this sort of stuff, abstain from uh, pornography, OnlyFans, social media. Uh, but you can't really make that a movement without the use of social media and like sharing that and, uh, you know, communicating with each other online about this decision you're making. And if you are a Gen Z person who is choosing to engage in real life, in real relationships, in real intimacy, you don't have time to be like creating a movement uh, surrounding your choice to actually live life. But I'm sure we will see it. I think there is going to be an era that arises here very, very soon because I, I am constantly hearing uh, young women talking about the uh, ill effects of the porn industry. I'm seeing more and more OnlyFans models being called out uh, for, for what they're doing. Now, we're going to get into a discussion as to whether or not they are actually to blame or if the industry at large is to blame or if men are to blame. But more and more, I think people are starting to realize that something's going on here. Something's not quite right. We're going to see it in outcomes with marriage and children. We're going to see it in the fact that men are not dating. We're going to see it in the fact that uh, this uh, my generation, Gen Z, is choosing to engage in an intimacy in a real way, uh, much, much less than generations prior. And how that doesn't become like tangible and something that we can feel very soon, I don't know. I, I think it will. Yeah, it seems like the outcomes are just so bad right now and trending in such a bad direction for both sexes that mm -hmm. uh, we're almost screaming for a cultural conversation about just how do we get back to a place where men and women can uh, find healthy relationships with one another and foster that and end up making families and all that because we just seem to be trending in the wrong direction. And I am familiar with, there's a big movement on Reddit called NoFap, uh, which is not a religious one. I'm familiar with a bunch of other religious uh, movements or organizations that kind of uh, are anti-porn and about quitting and stuff. Uh, but I'm not familiar with anything that specifically 
Gen Z. And like you said, maybe it's just because the people who are living this way uh, are who are repudiating, repudiating all this are not really on social media. Mm -hmm. But um, just the fact that this video exists now and that it does appear that more people are open to having this cultural conversation without crying prudishness or something um, because the outcomes are so bad is an indicator to me that hopefully that we're at the wake up point, which we keep, we say a lot on this channel, right? When it comes to like yeah, the DEI right. stuff and uh, the gender stuff or all this, we're like, well, hopefully we're approaching the, the point of sanity. And there's always those signs but you never know if we're actually at that point of critical mass. We don't. I feel like it's definitely like cresting. If, if not that, it's cresting. Like we're the, the stuff that I'm seeing on the Internet is insane and how it's not going to soon be called out for what it is. Uh, I don't know. I like your parallel between the incel on the one hand and the OnlyFans model on the other. It's like an involuntarily celibate male and an involuntarily hypersexual female. And people will say, well, what do you mean involuntary? They, they're deciding to have an OnlyFans account. Well, no. What they are doing is they are being driven to OnlyFans or its equivalent by the lack of good options, sexually speaking. The only viable option is to monetize your sexuality if you're beautiful enough to do it and hope to reach a large audience because effectively it's, it would be hard to find a man worth partnering with, that the, the society is so confused that most men who in theory could be mates don't have the skill set nor the opportunities to bring to the table that which would ordinarily cause them to, to find a partner. And so finding many fractional partners is what these OnlyFans models are doing. Now, of course, for almost all of them, it is not economically viable. And the result is that the market causes the exploitation of people who are not going to get a good deal. It's only a tiny number of Taylor Swifts. I want to pause there and think about what he's saying there, that, that to, to some degree, being an OnlyFans model is involuntarily given the state of the environment. And this is an argument I think commonly made. I've gone back and forth on this because in, in many ways we are products of our environment. We will move in the direction of what our society is, is pushing us towards. And whatever is incentivized, pedestalized, and, uh, you know, approved is where both men and women are going to, to find themselves. Do I think that, I wonder if he's saying that consciously they are, thinking, oh, now I have a million little fractional partners. I don't know necessarily if he's saying they're consciously thinking that way. I, I would challenge that uh, and, and say, I think it's more about that second point that he made, that they're going in the hopes of making a ton of money. And society has already uh, devalued things like modesty, devalued uh, your, your personality and looking for things outside of the commodification of your body. And women are already predisposed to hoeing out on the internet and now you've injected money into the equation and safety into the equation where they can do that from the comfort of their own home with a ring light and an iPhone and it's just the perfect storm for women to make that choice. Now, are they duped more often than not and they end up you know, not making anywhere near as much money as they thought? hundred uh, percent. The average woman on OnlyFans is not even making, you know, 200 bucks a month selling her photos on the internet. And that is just the, the wicked nature of it all. Because once you've done it, you've done it. Might as well continue. And we always talk about like being doing a multivariate analysis on issues, right? So not a hundred percent of the blame of, uh, you know, incarceration rates or cop violence or whatever is laid on at the feet of systemic racism that may be a contributing factor mm -hmm. uh, that we can work into the pie chart, but it's it's not very nuanced thinking to um, attribute everything to that. And I don't think that's necessarily what Brett is doing here, sure. but uh, he he does seem to make the insinuation that it is a it is for the lack of qualified options uh, is the reason why a lot of women are turning to OnlyFans. And I do definitely think that that is a reason, uh, but I do think there are other explanations. And I'm curious as a woman, like what you think about this and just based on your observations. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that the prospect of financial gain is obviously a huge one. Um, but I think a, another really big one is like just uh, 
it's a shortcut to feeling validated and uh, wanted mm-hmm. and uh, beautiful, powerful. And, and that is the barrier to entry on that or the, the um, hesitation that you might otherwise feel because uh, it's, it feels degrading in a way is undercut by the feminist narrative that, you know, Hey, we're sex positive and uh, this is an empowering thing that you're doing and uh, you're using these men and, and you're, you're, you're powerful because of it. So I think there's, there's probably other factors, but I think that those are two other really big ones, the financial gain and uh, just the prospect of like feeling powerful or feeling, feeling like a emptiness that you might feel otherwise feel. Yeah. I think a lot of these women, uh, if you listen to how they talk about men, it's very, very telling. They're like men are to be used. Men are disgusting. And a lot of that is reinforced with their relationship on platforms like OnlyFans. So if you already have a, a disrespect for men, couple that with the sort of modern day feminist uh, sell points of we don't like men. Also, you know, here's the sexual revolution for you. Perfect storm to just like hop on OnlyFans and yeah. and do this. Uh, the validation point, I think, is very real. And I imagine there's a little bit of like adrenaline surrounding your very first post on OnlyFans because it's a big thing to be like fully naked in front of anybody, let alone the entire Internet. But as soon as you do that and validation comes with it, it's like it's probably got to be like a drug hit to keep doing uh, what it is that you're doing. And you mix the validation over something that's typically, you know, very taboo with money. It's like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, why why would you not? continue to do it and uh, the, I'll, I'll challenge his fractal partner point at uh, once more in that a lot of these OnlyFans girls when you ask them what are you going to do after OnlyFans they're they're fully intend to find a male partner uh, right. and I've never heard that. them not say exactly that like oh I'll finish this up uh, make a bunch of money and then I'll find a man so I'm not sure that they're looking at the dating pool and going, there's nobody out there for me. In fact, I think they have an inflated sense of the type of men that they can pull given what they've done uh, on the Internet. Yeah. And let's continue. Taylor Swift's here. Okay. To find themselves extremely wealthy as a result of I'm not sure what exactly. I, I hope people don't think I'm analogizing her to an OnlyFans model, although it's not an entirely distinct phenomenon. I see her on stage wearing absurdly provocative costumes, and I think to myself, so is she really in charge, or has the system kind of enslaved her? You know, and it's not really one or the other. She's obviously... I don't really view Taylor Swift as being all that provocative. Also, her audience is super female. So uh, if anything, any provocative nature of her performance would be for the sake of her own feminine you know, audience and maybe her own, uh, you know, feminine wishes. I think she's actually in a very unique position of being able to explore femininity and womanhood in a way that others really don't get the chance to because her audience is uh, is so female and because they relate to her so much and she can really get into the uh, deeper feelings of, of being a woman or, or girlhood and that's why people really love her. So I'm not sure about that argument yeah i think he's right in terms of like the archetypal like woman who sexualizes herself for fame yeah. uh, that there's some crossover there but taylor swift's definitely not the first uh, star that comes to my mind when yeah. you think about stars that sexualize themselves for fame she's not very high on that list at all you know you think about like the the madonnas the uh meg the stallion those types Beyonce's, i think would, yeah, yeah Beyonce's, those come to mind uh, a lot faster than a Taylor Swift. Yeah, but I, I guess his point still kind of stands. It's just not the best example. Yeah, yeah. Beyond wealthy, but nonetheless, it doesn't look to me like the choices that somebody who really had achieved a level of power over their own life would be making. I recently got engaged and my fiance, she has a pretty big YouTube platform as well. And she's never really showed much skin. She's never, you know, done any of those And I asked her why she's never done that. And she said that once you do that, nobody will ever take you seriously. All you have to do is do it once and nobody will ever take you seriously after that. And I thought that that was such a good point. I mean, it's all about the way you do it. Yeah. And um, for what reasons? I think like even though social media is very much about putting on a facade for the general public and your viewers, 
for the most part, people can see your, your the underlying motivations in the things that you post on social media, I think, a lot of the times. And where men will actively engage with porn, uh, you know, actresses and OnlyFans models and, you know, uh, view it pretty superficially in their in their daily lives at the end of the day when it comes to making an actual deeper judgment that's not what they're they're not going for it and they're not falling for it um and you'll how many times will you hear like men in these street interviews when you're asked like would you ever marry uh, an OnlyFans model which I think is what these men are being asked here they go oh no <laughs> absolutely not right but uh, just doing pure you know statistics and probability they're going home and watching them so but at the end of the day, they're making those deeper judgments, which I guess to some extent means like once you do cross that line as a woman on the Internet, maybe there is a certain percentage of people who wholly view you in, in that light. And if maybe lost a little bit of you know respect for who you are and what you do. And that's what his wife is is talking about there. Yeah, he says like showing skin and I'm just I'm like. It needs more more context yeah. and more nuance, I guess, right. because I'm like, like you can have, okay, you went on a beach trip and you posted a picture with your family and you happen to be wearing a bikini there. Is that like, right. does that mean no one's going to take you seriously for the rest of your life because of that? Like, I don't really quite think that's the case. But by the same token, uh, you could have a, I see some of these like conservative influencer women who are repeatedly posting thirst traps, even though they're like covered, but it's mm -hmm. kind of like you're there's like a weird energy doing. about this where you're kind of sexualizing yourself, even though you're not like going all the way. And that's the same energy. Like I, I kind of take you, I don't want to say take you less seriously, but it, it undercuts a certain element of, of your, your overall message. If that's how you're choosing to use your platform. So I think there's a nuance there and it's not necessarily just uh, a function of like how many square inches of your, of skin are covered on your body. Yeah. I think, do think like there, it's not a tricky situation to be in as a woman, but it is like when you are a woman who like has values and also has, you know, a, a respect for modesty, but also like wants to wear certain things and maybe wants to like take a picture and post it on the internet is a tough line to walk. Like I find myself, even though I may casually wear a bathing suit to the pool, or a beach or something like that, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to post it on the internet. And not because uh, I have some like prudish nature about me of like, uh, nobody should be able to see that even though it's natural and normal and you see that at the pool or the beach, but just because I don't want the insinuation that there is some sort of... Uh, some sort of hidden motive behind that post. And then you get the energy of, of men with pornified brains, no matter what right. you do as a woman. And there's something to be said about that. Even a woman fully covered up on the internet is getting responses from the brain rotted, you know, men who have been watching porn their entire life. I saw a post on Twitter of this guy, and I believe it was at like some NBA game. And I think he was a, a basketball player and he's holding his daughter in his hands and he's being interviewed by this woman. And she's a very gorgeous woman. She's curvy and she's got on, I think, like just a nice dress uh, that's that's fitted to her. And the guy is being interviewed and just looking, thinking or whatever. And all the comments are like, oh, he's trained his brain like not to look at her body or he's like doing this because his daughter's around. I'm like, how? Like, how rotted does your brain have to be by porn that you see a picture of, like, a guy being interviewed with his little daughter and your first thought is, like, to look at the woman and to, like, not be able to look at her because you don't want to insinuate that you want to sleep with her. It's just, like, is this really how you're viewing things these days? Actual brain rot. Yeah, it's just, it's degeneracy. When we talked about a minute ago, like, why uh, women feel incentivized to go on on OnlyFans, but I think the, the other part of this is just when when you uh, in your whole life are sort of conditioned to skip doing all of the things that you would have to do as a man to become the caliber of man who could uh, enter into a relationship with a beautiful woman, then you are naturally like reducing them to uh, to objects and you can't imagine a situation in which you would actually qualify yourself to be with them. So instead, it, your brain doesn't go to let me treat this woman respectfully. Mm -hmm. Let me treat carry myself with 
dignity in this interaction, or that's what I should expect of a man who finds himself in that position, uh, or that I should expect this woman to be thought of and treated of with dignity in, in a situation like that. It's just immediately like, oh, they just porn brain uh, you get spit out. And it's just a degeneracy. Yeah. And I was like, I feel like, and men, you can speak to this as to whether or not this is actually true. I feel like on a natural level, there is an element of like, when men walk around, uh, you know, post puberty, I feel like every woman you look at, whether or not you are, you're a man of values, or you're a man of no values, something like there's like an intrusive thought about being with that woman or like looking at her body or judging her in some way. And I think for a lot of men, that's just the case naturally. And it's a, a feeling or a, a uh, intrusive thought that you just have to deal with and you move about your day. And of course, if you have values, you don't really think too much of it. It's a passing thought. But on porn, that has got to be amplified by like 150,000, you know, degrees because now you're watching women who are naked and they're being objectified and sometimes in really horrific ways on the internet. And how that doesn't translate to your normal life when you're like talking to women or you see women out in public, I don't know. I feel like it does. Uh, and maybe we're just not at the inflection point of noticing that that is, in fact, what's happening. Yeah, I think I said it the other day, but you can there's the, the old saying like you can keep a bird or you you can't keep a bird from landing on your head, but you can keep it from building a nest or something like yeah. that. I kept probably butchering it both times. But there's there's the involuntary sort of just biological neurons firing or whatever in your brain yep. uh, based on eye information processing. And then there's the choice that you have of what you're going to do with that, with that uh, immediate impulse or that, you know, that signal that's going into your eyes or in your brain. And uh, that's where you really, it's like uh, Dumbledore said, our choices show who we are. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you, I'm reading that book on atomic habits right now, and he talks about like, we define who we are by the choices that we make over and over again. And a lot about forming good habits and breaking bad ones is about defining the person that you want to be. And so if you want to be the kind of person who treats women respectfully, who doesn't have this degenerate brain, then you got to train yourself to make the right choice whenever those impulses come. Um, and you will live into that reality and your identity becomes that as that becomes your uh, repeated response and a habit that you make and, and that you live. And yeah. it, it works both ways too, as, as you're somebody who believes that about yourself, that behavior manifests. It's kind of like, that's the cycle. But if you're in the other cycle where you're just uh, on the, the born brain, then of course, that's how your brain's going to work. Uh, whether it's looking at a picture of a woman doing an interview online or whether you're at the beach and you can't control your thoughts. It's like, you got to uh, just define who you are by those choices that you make when you have those impulses. Yeah. Because it can become literally an addiction like anything else, like sugar, Coke, you know, heroin, whatever. It's all similar. And I've heard street interviews where people go around and say, would you date yeah, a, a you girl go. that had an OnlyFans? And for most nah. men, it seems like that's a deal breaker. And for women, it's also a deal breaker. Would you date a guy that followed girls on OnlyFans? They say, oh, no. So it seems like this way of life is being incentivized, yet it's completely at odds with traditional romance and what could actually connect us. Not only that, but if we go back to porn for a second, the porn industry is composed of a bunch of different companies that are competing with each other, and they're all selling the same thing. So in order to capture people's attention, they are forced to compete in the extremeness of what they are presenting, which forces them directly into taboos. So they are breaking every taboo for very mundane economic reasons. And the problem with that is that the human creature is built to discover what sex is. And they discover it in part through the observation of other people, most of which is hidden, but there's a certain amount that one can observe. And then they discover it through an intensely bonding exploration with somebody else a very private exploration that unites you in a secret kind of knowledge. By replacing that natural process of discovery with porn saturated with taboos, 
we are actually distorting the sexual development of the people who find this stuff early in life. 100%. That is so crazy to see actually like drawn out for your eyes to see because you see this moment of like, okay, uh, I I heard what this is what this is kind of about, you know, like guys talk about it in the locker room about like sleeping with girls, but I don't know exactly what that is. And I'm dating Sally and I really like her and maybe we've kissed once or something. And then that relationship develops and you figure out what that means. And not only is there an element of figuring out what it means at, at the right time, but there's a certain amount of respect that you have to exercise as a man and as a woman in order to get to that point in a relationship with somebody where they're willing to give that to you. So that's the exercise that you are conditioned to respect for that other person in, uh, or that's the uh, respect that you are conditioned to exercise, sorry, for that person in order to get to that point. And that shows your brain what is meant to happen before you're able to engage with something like this. And not only that, but you value the person who gave that to you for the first time more because you had to work for it. You learned about it with them. You learned each other together. Now it's like you're seven years old and you click on a porn website and, oh, you know what sex is. There you go. And it's mm -hmm. not an accurate depiction of what sex is at all. So now you're seven watching this eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Your brain is consumed with pornography. Then you meet some girl in what? Like what happens from there? There's no sacred nature to uh, the the act itself, even outside of a religious perspective. There's no learning. In fact, there is a significant amount of unlearning that needs to happen in order for you to now have a sexual relationship. And I can't tell you the number of women that I know uh, who have tried to engage in intimacy with men and nothing happens because of their uh, porn addictions and because of the, they, they are so used to engaging on the internet that they don't know how to engage with a real woman in real life. Hmm. And I think the key word that you say there is sacredness. It just seems like not only do young boys have this opportunity and this access, um, but also this is arising or this has reached critical mass in the time of a culture that uh, treats nothing as sacred when it comes to sex and sexuality. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, other than sexual, the fact that like any desire that comes out of you is good and you should affirm that and we don't kink shame and we don't do, you know, do this or that. And like, just, it's all this like sex positive energy, but that's not like done in any way that is uh, protective of that respect and that reverence that you were describing before mm -hmm. that actually leads to healthy relationships, healthy pair bonding, healthy connections. And as we've lost that reverence, a new environment has emerged in which uh, men and women find it very difficult to pair bond, find it difficult to uh, navigate the sexual side of their relationship. It seems like it's just uh, utter chaos and, and spilling everywhere on the streets and there's not mm -hmm. a, a pattern to follow uh, of how to get to a healthy relationship or healthy pair bonding together in the culture anymore that is that is generally agreed upon or, or uh, celebrated or enshrined in any way. It's just like this free-for-all. And then we're surprised that the outcomes that have followed have been so negative. Yeah. Uh, it's just insane to think about. You have people who are, who are developing kinks before they've even actually had sex. Isn't that crazy? And of course, it's not crazy to think about for today. You're like, oh, yeah, that's totally normal. Like, uh, that's every single guy and girl at this point. But that's crazy. Absolutely insane. Which is almost every male. And I'm, I'm now led to believe. And what is very hard to say to these folks is by participating in that, by consuming that content, you are destroying your own sexual mind and you are harming your future partner mm -hmm. and by doing that you're changing your whole life you don't think you're making a decision that's changing your life you think you'll do it and if it's not good you'll stop and maybe you will but the question is you can't go back to whatever your mind would have done you can't build the relationship you would have built if you have seen so many of these images and your mind has, because it has no resistance to this, because it has seen it with its own photoreceptors, 
you have taken it in as if that's a real portrayal of human sex. And it isn't. That's a market force. That's not a, that's not what passion does. So really I, you know, for many years, I suffered the accusation of being a prude for saying things like this. And I'm not a prude. I'm not even against uh, sexually explicit content. Erotica is fine. That's an ancient form. I'm against what the market is doing to sex, which I think is extremely dangerous. And it, it seems like the incentives plus the emerging AI could just add gas to that fire. And mind you, they don't give a shit that they're ruining your relationships in your brain. They don't care. They're going to keep pumping out content and doing the same thing over and over and over and uh, just like revving up the energy and the kinks and making it crazier and crazier and crazier. And that element of like you can't go back once you've done it, I think can be uh, both a motivating and a limiting thing to hear. But it's important to like emphasize the fact that even if you have been consuming porn and it's been super salacious or you're going to like the depths of the internet to find the craziest things, everything you do after, you know, the point of knowing these things is just added damage. So I think you can hear that and go, oh, well, I've already done it. So I'm going to keep, you know, I've already done the damage, it sounds like. Uh, but the more you do, the more damage. Yeah, it's a great point that, I mean, we're kind of told by mainstream culture that this is a consequence-free thing. I feel like every time the, the topic of porn comes up, uh, people jump to the forefront that, no, it's actually healthy. No, it does good things for you. No, it can be done in the right way and all this stuff. But uh, I think Brett's saying something that needs to be said right now, which is that by and large, there's almost no benefit to engaging in this stuff and it harms yourself and it harms your future relationships. And there's no better time uh, to stop and to start building a healthy mind and uh, preparing for a healthy relationship than right now. And I think it shouldn't be prudish to say that it's just common sense. And I'm glad that we're reaching a point now where that's uh, being said and okay to say. Yeah, because um, you you rob yourself of just like how great your your life could be. Like you're robbing yourself of future experience. It's like you know they say like drinking alcohol, doing drugs is borrowing tomorrow's happiness. You are like borrowing tomorrow and the next years and the next mm. decades uh, intimacy uh, from from your your partner from from watching this stuff and consuming it. Because right now we have real women who are taking pictures and putting filters on and photoshopping and whatever they can do but they're actually doing that themselves what if we take away the human woman with the soul and just replace it with an ai that is designed to get you to pay attention to it as long as possible and it could exploit our brains just like fast food has exploited us there's no limit to that it can and it will and even worse than that we are already at the point where AI can attach somebody's face to pornography mm -hmm. who didn't consent to it. And so imagine that your sexual mind is being instructed by this profit-driven industry and it gets the ability to attach the face of your crush to these violent or otherwise troubling images. And then how exactly are you supposed to navigate a relationship with that person? Should they find you attractive? It's going to destroy what little of value remains in that landscape. And it just doesn't leave a path forward in which there is a, an honorable relationship between men and women. Yeah, I think this is very much going to be something that happens. I think it's niche now. And like we hear these stories and go like, that's insane. It's not going to happen. I read something the other day. Of course, this could not be true. It could be it could be false. Uh, but it was somebody posting about uh, blowing up their relationship. And it was actually a woman uh, who had found uh, an AI site where you could talk to like your favorite anime, cartoon, whatever bot, and it would become a a chat bot for you and she is engaged to be married talking to this uh, chat bot for for six months uh, both you know on an emotional level on a sexual level and it got so bad to the point where 
she would be with her partner, but trying to find reasons to separate from her partner. Like, oh yeah, you can go to sleep or whatever. And she would be talking to this chatbot, telling it about the horrible stuff that was happening in, in her day or, you know, little tiffs she had at, at, at work and things that were not, that were going awry. And of course, your, your, your fiance eventually finds out about this and he books it because that's mm-hmm. like a, that's, you know, it, it's, it's a tough thing to, to grapple with. And of course, I think there's, there's something to think about from the part of being the other in the relationship being like, okay, what kind of environment did I foster that you didn't feel like you could come to me and that you were instead going to AI? But also, my goodness, how do you recover from a blow like that? I do not know. I hope it wasn't a real story. but Yeah, it just seems like we're on this slippery slope of dehumanization. And I, I'd argue that it starts like with Within the hookup culture, there's a lot that's kind of dehumanizing in that. And then you get into these OnlyFans symbiotic relationships of men and women. And then you add AI uh, into the mix and that. And we end up like in the movie Her, like falling in love with computers and preferring the digital world to the real. And like our brains just being hijacked uh, by these companies that are trying to profit off of this and we're we're complicit in it we're like the rats that are in the experiment that if you give them a little lever to pull that it gives them a dopamine hit we'll just keep pulling and pulling it we do that with smartphones in general but pornography is obviously like another huge uh, area where that happens and uh, it's like how do we reverse that reverse course on that and fight for humanization and and remaining in touch with your humanity and uh, believing that I'm worth more than this. I deserve better than ending up needing to get my needs fulfilled from some AI thing or Mm -hmm. uh, for porn or whatever it may be. Like I uh, have, I think you need like a a positive vision. It can't just be like, Oh, I don't want to do these negative things because that can reinforce, uh, I think negative, uh, moods and behaviors that just keep you you're you're you're, you don't want to do it but then you just beat yourself up and feel shameful and end up stuck even further um i think you need like a positive vision of uh the person that you want to be the life that you want to have believing that you are somebody who has worth and is worthy of being loved for who you are and sharing a kind of human real pair bond connection with another person and having a positive vision for that and and that gives you a reason not to engage in this stuff and not to give yourself over to these dehumanizing forces. And I think that's a a huge point because it is like kind of the gravity of modern life and the modern culture Mm -hmm. and the technological moment that we live in. It's, it's going to continue to pull. So what is the opposite force that is keeping you, uh, from being sucked in by all that and, and, uh, fighting against it. Yeah. And I think like taking the taboo off of it and actually having the conversation is really important because a lot of people are just like keeping this to themselves and they're not even open with the fact that they're even doing these things, uh, let alone being open about, you know, investigating it as some sort of problem. And it is like this, a sign of the t- modern times, like for every human want, desire or need, some corporation's going to come around and develop a, sh- a, sh- a shortcut to it. Like for our nourishment, there's uh, fast food. For our entertainment and attention, there's social media and these sort of like mindless videos that we can watch. And for sexual needs and desire, which is a very real thing for all human beings, there's going to be the porn industry and things like OnlyFans. And there's always going to be some entity that's trying to unlock that and, you know, suck as much money as they possibly can out of uh, what is a very real desire for for humans. And from like an evolutionary standpoint, does this point towards extinction? Or does this point to maybe like people figure out a new way to breed Hmm. digitally? You know, it takes an awful lot to create extinction. I see that hazard in various things that we're doing. I don't see it in the absolute destruction of normal relation between the sexes because, you know, it only takes a small number of people to figure it out to keep the species going. And in fact, you know, you can imagine all kinds of dystopias in which uh, eggs and sperm are joined in some way and technologically uh, brought to maturity or surrogacy becomes economically driven by people who want to produce children for reasons of vanity or whatever, you know. So there are lots of ways in which humanity can go forward. But from the point of view of a civilization that makes sense, the importance of sexual and romantic drive cannot be overstated. 
for almost all of our history as humans, the desire to become worthy of a sexual relationship has motivated men to accomplish great things. It is in large measure the fuel that created civilization. By eliminating that incentive structure, by making sex common, disgusting, dangerous, we are removing the thing that caused us to find this way of being. And uh, I'm afraid, although it's hard to predict the particulars of the way that goes wrong, the general trajectory is clear. And again, the that's very, very much true. Same thing for women. How much of what we what we do as women uh, is for the sake of finding a good partner, being good for a partner, being attractive to said partner, doing the right thing to bring about the conditions to have a family. So much of what we do in life is to the service of uh, an end of a relationship, companionship, family building. And if you take that peace uh, and that incentive out of the world, um, which I don't think it will ever fully be out of the world. If you take the the portion of that pie that is like sex and intimacy, you do have a, a problem on your hands. Now, sex and intimacy happens to be far more important uh, for men, I think, in the way that OnlyFans is pitching this now. Uh, but I, they're slowly unlocking the same uh, what drives women in, in that direction as well. I see things on TikTok that are like um, advertisements for pornography, but it is like uh, men you can listen to who are who are talking to you. And we all know women are, are much more inclined to like reading erotica or wanting to like listen to uh, their, their pornography. And that's being unlocked, too. And it's going to be... Uh, uh, a very, very popular thing that I think is right around the bend. So as soon as they unlock all the different drives for, for women, which for some of them it's going to be, you know, video porn and stuff like that. But for others, it's going to be different. Coming after you too, babes. <laughs> They're coming after you too. Uh, and then a lot of things fall fall out of line if we lose that drive. Right thing to do is for young people to say, actually, I can see the problem and I'm going to opt out. And I'm going to interact with those who have also opted out. I don't know why that movement has not arisen yet. But when it does, it will not be a moment too soon. All right. And there we go. That is the end of the video. Hmm. I think it is. It is upon us. I think slowly people are making that decision and becoming aware of just how big the problem is. I mean, OnlyFans is going to be a huge catalyst in people recognizing this uh, issue because it's, you know, one of the biggest websites for uh, this sort of engagement. And like I said, it's causing real tangible problems in people's uh, relationships. Um, and it's going to become unignorable here. Yeah, if shortly. it's not already, for sure. <laughs> right. If it's not already, it soon will be. And I guess that encompasses uh, my, my thoughts on the matter. I'm very much curious to hear yours. This was a very enlightening video, and I love hearing uh, a different perspective and an outside perspective on these issues because sometimes you don't even think – I've not thought to, like, do an episode on this, but I saw this video pop up on my feed, and I thought, oh, yeah, that's something that we could definitely talk about on the show, and we haven't really touched that subject all that much for lack of a better phrasing guys <laughs> drop your thoughts in the comments down below and your your personal uh, testimonials on the subject matter if you're comfortable sharing that as well as i said in this episode i think it's important to sort of uh lift the taboo off this subject in a way because you you can't uh, bring these things to, to sunlight and, and disinfect them if people aren't willing to actually have the conversation and admit what's going on so do that in the comments down below. Also, if you disagree with me, do get out, but do so respectfully. And if you like this video, like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single time we post a video for you guys, which is every single day. And I will see you next time. Bye, guys. <laughs>